Um, we're in our fourth part of a series that we've just simply called selfdom. And selfdom is a real word, and uh, it is a, a word that simply references the, play, the, the concept and the idea that you have a dominion, you have a domain, the domain of you, yourself. And you're the ruler, you're the one who makes the choices, you're the one who sets your kingdom's policies and procedures the way you're going to do things. Just like we have a legislature that spends a whole lot of time in Washington making lots and lots and lots of laws and policies and all that for the way the United States is going to operate. You do. You and your selfdom. You choose what's going to be your MO, how you're going to function. And as Christ followers, your selfdom doesn't go away. God doesn't want it to go away. God doesn't want your selfdom to go away. He created you unique. You are an amazing creation of God. God created you to be connected with Him. But your selfdom, it thrives when it's not out here all by itself trying to function and take care of itself. Your selfdom thrives when it's part of God's kingdom. When you allow it to come in and you make the decision that God's not this God who comes in and dominates and expands his kingdom by war and takes it by effort, but he expands it by opening his arms of love and saying, look, you, this is where you were designed to be, and if you'll choose, I've made the way here. And so your selfdom thrives when it's put in a place of God's kingdom, and we've been looking at all of those pieces. And if you've missed some of these, they're available on our website, and you can kind of catch up. And that's what this concept is about, is what in the world does this look like for you, you, your unique self, to come into this place of God's kingdom, where you get to be the best you that's ever existed, but you're still you. Why? Because God didn't mess up when he made you. You weren't a mistake, you weren't an afterthought, you weren't any of those different things. You were created, but things get broken and and messed up and, and out of sorts when we take pieces of us and begin to try to operate outside of God's kingdom. The very first song we sang today just so powerfully summed up this entire series as we together sang. That <clears throat> saying this, this line says, I don't want to live outside your ways. I don't want to miss your heart for me. That's what this selfdom series is about. I don't want to live outside of the way God designed things to function and to flourish. I don't want to miss God's heart for me. I don't want you to miss God's heart for you. And as we begin to embrace his love and his plan for our lives and things that didn't used to function quite right all of a sudden begin to function. And here's the amazing thing. As God brings our and lets us bring our selfdoms into his kingdom, we come in with some bumps and some bruises, some mistakes, some stuff that's all messed up and jacked up and stuff we wish had just never, ever, ever happened. Some decisions we just terribly regret. Some terrible things that were done to us that we have no control over. And here's the beautiful thing in God's kingdom. God brings in the whole thing 
And he is so amazing that he begins to then utilize all of it. He didn't call it at the border of his kingdom and go, okay, wow, that's junk, that's worthless, that's no good. He doesn't sit there and kick it all out. As we come in, somehow he's able to take and use this amazingly messed up stuff and take something and make it an amazingly functional for God's kingdom and for our lives. It changes everything. Now, right now, I want us to just play a little word picture game. I want, us, I want to just, just, just think for a moment as I say a few words. One of my wife's favorite words, spa. Meadow. Babbling brook. Hammock. Breeze. Crackling fireplace. Cozy. Hopefully at some point, one of those words, maybe all of those words, at some point you begin to get some sort of image of just a place of peace. Just this place of being relaxed. Just where the, the anxiety and the stress and all that stuff is just kind of gone. That you're all of a sudden fully relaxed and in that moment feel fully you. See, that's the place that God has designed us to function. Our selfdoms should be a place of peace. The problem is, is that we live in a world of turmoil. And we did a whole series end of last year called Untroubled on how to be untroubled in the middle of a troubled world. We looked at that for a long time. But when we think of it and we begin to define and have defining characteristics on our selfdoms, then peace should be one of those things. We think of countries like Switzerland and Canada. We don't think of, when we think of those kinds of countries, we don't think of War powerhouses. We don't think of these countries that, uh, that we think of some place that you're, it's a nice place to go on vacation. Then, hmm, that would be kind of a nice place to go. It just automatically go to the Swiss Alps or, you know, and eat Swiss chocolate and have Swiss mist cocoa. And you just had a beautiful place of peace. It's just peaceful. You know, and when did, when's the last time Canada picked on anybody? You know, I mean, it's just this whole concept of peace. But when you're planning your vacation, you're probably not choosing Rwanda. You're probably not going to choose Afghanistan or Lebanon. You're probably not choosing zones. Why? Because the first thing that pops to our minds when we think of those dominions, those areas... It's not peace. It's not this place. Now I want you to think about your daily life. I want you to think about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. When you think about that, is there still that concept of peace that carries through? Or does all of a sudden you feel like you're stepping into your own personal Rwanda? 
all of a sudden that anxiety begins to creep in and this place of peace begins to dissipate like a fog you wish you could grab a hold onto and just keep a little longer. See, we are designed for peace. When Jesus came to this planet and he was being birthed, the angels declared peace on earth. Finally, we could get some peace. We desperately want it. We desperately want it. Every Miss America pageant knows it. What's your one thing you want for the world? And we all know it. World peace. Why? Because there's not anything else that trumps that. Peace is just something we just desperately desire. And we desperately, desperately want. But it is not part of the way our normal world functions. So let's look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. Remember, every time we've looked at that, that's our... That's our little window. We're viewing it through God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Okay? We're viewing it through God's mercy, so we're not offering our bodies as living sacrifices to try to do good and make God happy with us. Okay? His mercy, His grace has already taken care of that. We're right with God because of that. We're viewing this through God's mercy. So why in the world do we need some sort of living sacrifice? Jesus has already taken care of that. We understand that with God's mercy. So where in the world does this living sacrifice thing come from? Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. This is where we begin to give God the full worth of who He is. We give Him our whole lives. This is simply, it's the right kind of worship. Is let him have our whole lives. He is the one who gave them to us. He's the one who redeemed us and made us right with him. And so the natural response should be giving him fully ourselves. And how does this look? It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. There are record numbers of prescriptions for people to deal with anxiety. We get lots of prayer requests. I know that a lot of you deal with anxiety and stress. This is not to tell you that somehow you're, you're weird or that somehow there's something, there's something terribly wrong with you or to single you out. This is to let you know this isn't the way life has to be. It doesn't have to be this way. As we begin to embrace who God is and what He's done for us, then His peace begins to move in And push all of that anxiety and all of that mess out. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're going to think a little different. You're going to see life different. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Until our minds are shifted, we don't have an idea of what God's will really can be. It's once our minds are renewed that we can begin to get on pace and get on, get on point with God. And John 14.1 reminds us to not let our hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me.
We say all the time that what our hearts are is to help you, for all of us to grow in this place of knowing God better and trusting Him more. And as we do that, our peace level should go up, increment by increment, mark by mark, that we begin to live in a higher place of peace. See, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. In fact, it's a standard Hebrew greeting. They will greet one another and say shalom, and they'll return that and say shalom. And it is this beautiful concept of peace. And in that Hebrew meaning of peace, it's not like, oh, peace. We're all good with each other. It's this concept of peace provided by God. It is this concept of nothing missing and nothing broken. That there's this, this wholeness that God has alone has provided. See, God is the only true source of peace. And he grows his peace. He grows it in our hearts and our minds. In our soul. It begins to develop in our soul. Our mind, our heart begins to, to show and <clears throat> develop these concepts of peace. Later on in the 14th chapter of John, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I did not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The answer for the troubled heart, the answer for fear is the peace of God. It's the peace of God. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This is this selfdom part coming into the kingdom. Paul uses this exact imagery. He says, let it rule. Why? Because sometimes it's just doesn't, it's not the natural response. We have to allow the peace of God to rule in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is telling you things are going to be okay. You can trust me. And you're like, it doesn't feel okay. It doesn't look okay. It's okay. It's okay. And then we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to speak and to whisper to us and, and to lead us from the inside instead of circumstances on the outside. And our decisions of how we're going to respond is not by what is all happening around on the outside, but what God is doing on the inside. And peace begins to be the fruit that grows up. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of the body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. We know, just medically, that stress and anxiety are destructive to your body. It is physically destructive to your body. We need to allow the Spirit to control and to, de and to, to determine our thought patterns and the, the way we're going to respond to things. And in that place, as we allow God's truth to be our truth, then peace follows that. In fact, that was one of the promises prophesied by Isaiah. 
Isaiah 32, 17 says, The fruit of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. You're like, well, Brandon, well, this is, this is talking about righteousness. This means i got to get everything done right, and i gotta, I got to be all of this righteous thing and, and, and be that perfect little Christian. Uh, no. You know where our righteousness comes from? The only place it can come from is from Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness. That's why Isaiah prophesied that that righteousness will be. It was something that God was going to establish in the future. This is the way it was going to be. And then we have this place of quietness and confidence forever. See, we need to get it down deep in our heart that all of this war and all this mess, God handles things differently than we do. And we need to understand that the sacrifice of Jesus provided peace. That's it. Boom. It can be ours. It's the gift. We can have it. We can live in peace no matter the circumstances because of what Jesus has done. But you and I, we we respond in a different way. That this circumstance pops up. This is how we respond. This is the natural way that things go down. And we expect it to play out in God's kingdom that way. But he responded completely differently. And I've shared with you this story before. But it is just my little son Carson. He's not so little anymore. He was at the time. About six or seven years ago, he was, uh, we were playing in the kitchen. And uh, messing around. And uh, my boys had the Nerf swords. So we like to do the Nerf battles and had the Nerf shield and the Nerf, Nerf battle axe. And so we were doing some battling and messing around in the kitchen. And I have one of the Nerf swords and Carson comes in and he steps in as I'm doing a strike. And it just lands a lot harder than Daddy wanted it to. So the Nerf sword hits him and uh, it stings and now... You know, here I am, grown man, and I just hit, you know, a five-year-old boy and made him cry with a Nerf sword. And my, in, my automatic response, my automatic response was that the way this was going to be made right was retaliation. That that was going to fix it. And so I was like, Carson, I'm so sorry. Daddy did not mean to do that. All right, here you go, son. Here you go, son. I hand him the sword, and I said, just, just go ahead and hit me. We're just going to square this up. Just go ahead and hit me as hard as you can. You know, and as a, as a mighty, tough, 35-year-old man at the time, then I got ready. As a five-year-old with a nerf sword. And so I'm sitting there, and I told Carson, all right, all right Carson, bring it. And so he had that nerf sword in his hand, and I'm dead ready to take the full wrath of Carson with the Nerf sword. And Carson looked at me. And he drops that Nerf sword. And he said, this is what I'm bringing. And he comes up. And he gives me the biggest hug you've ever seen. And I'm just like. Now I'm like a double jerk. Here he is. He's teaching me how this works. He's giving me grace. And then I have to ask. Is, was that going to be my response? In the back of my mind, is the way is that the way I really think? That somebody hurts me and the way to square this up is me hurt them back? Is that really the way I think? Is this five-year-old 
closer to the heart of God than me, a minister? And have an understanding of revelation that God does things different. Thank God He does them different. We deserved it. We did. We've been jerks. We've gone our own ways. We have mistreated each other. The objects of God's passion and affection. And we've hurt each other. And we've deserved anything else but the open arms of God's grace. And that is what he did. In this world where everything was just going to get one, one turn for another. Hurt for hurt, anger for anger. Then God broke through that. And he brought peace in the middle of all that mess. By the decision to respond in a way that makes no sense to you and I. Respond in grace. Respond in love. And in that moment, he provided us grace and mercy and peace. Period. Forever. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. The truth is, if we think that anything more needs to happen than what Jesus took care of on the cross, then our theology in its rawness is Jesus wasn't enough. It hurts. It's a punch in the gut to all of us. But if we think that our life need to be able to be at peace needs something more than what Jesus has already provided, more than what the Holy Spirit can sit there and produce in our lives, then our theology says, our way of viewing God says, Jesus wasn't enough. We need a little extra. He said, but Brandon, you don't know my life. No, but I know what Jesus did. You don't know what I've been through and you don't know what I've gone through. No, I don't. But I know what Jesus did. And that is enough. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have it. It's already ours. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Not that we're trying to get into, not that we're striving, not that we're on the hamster wheel and if we stay fast enough, we'll stay in it. No, we're standing in it. We're planted in this grace. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. See, allowing the Holy Spirit to change the way we think keeps us in a place of peace. Me and my kids, we enjoy going to theme parks and enjoy roller coasters. Enjoy getting on them. And the reason roller coasters are so much fun is because, for the most part, yes, I know the headlines come out every once in a while. But they're safe. They're safe. We trust the designer. We trust the builders. And more than that, we trust all the people. We stood in line and we watched them get on and get off. And they were okay. Someone's gone before. Someone's sat in that seat and gone before. And we get on there. And the 
Part of it is we get to do that and have the thrill of something that maybe feels out of control and unsafe, knowing that we're trusting the builder designer that it's totally safe. Now, I've never seen anybody take a nap on one. I've, never, I've seen lots of people yell and scream on them. I've heard Carson get the attention of the entire park with his blood-curdling screams, and at the end of it, scream, That was awesome! I mean, the, it sounded like he like got something broken off on that ride. Like there were missing limbs or something. And that the thrill... The thrill is that all of this chaos, all this stuff can be going on, but we're trusting in the builder, designer, and understand, I'm going to come out of this on the other side. So therefore, the loops, the turns, the messes don't have to freak me out. They don't have to. They don't have to. All of a sudden, we don't tell the stories. How many times have you told a story about getting in your car, And driving to Walmart, completely uneventful. Getting in your car and driving back. Oh man, this is the smoothest trip I've ever had in my life. It was so good. Car started right up. I drove. Got all green lights. Got out, parked. Got back in my car. We don't tell those stories. What stories do we tell? We just tell the stuff where things got a little crazy, but things were cool. Or the stories where things weren't cool, but they're cool now. I sit there and there's this place. There's this understanding that's, that's hardwired in us. And we get out of it sometimes that the chaos of life doesn't have to create chaos in us. That we can sit there and be a part of it. And here's a perfect example of Jesus showing what it's like. Mark chapter 4 verse 35 It'll be on the screen. It's not in your notes. It's on your bulletin. Then on the same day, when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. He tells his disciples, this is Jesus, God in the flesh, says let's cross over to the other side. The process and the destination have already been declared. God says we're going to get to the other side. We're going to cross over to the other side. That's what he said. The other side is where they're going. Now, when they, had, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. So there are those that just wanted to be close to Jesus, and they just followed. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it started to fill up. It was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern Asleep on a pillow or a cushion or a headrest, whichever translation you choose to read. He's asleep. He's in the boat. He's with them. He's not talking to them. He's not comforting them. He's not saying, hey, it's all going to be okay. But he's in the boat. They can look over there and go, yep, he's still there. Jesus is in the boat and completely at rest. With water sloshing in. And the boat doing this. It is just going crazy. And these guys were no strangers to boats. 
These guys were fishermen. And they woke Jesus from his nap. And he said to, and they said to him, Teacher, and I want you to hear what was going on in the middle of their hearts. Hear this. Because when we get, let the Holy Spirit tell us that this is not true, then you're all of a sudden peace is going to come into your life like crazy. They said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? They didn't question his ability to handle it. They're like, do you even care? Do you care? God, I know you're here. He's there. I sleep. He doesn't care. They're thinking, he doesn't care. And then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the sea. He just stopped the ride. Jesus was chilling. He was fine. They were going to get to the other side. He already said that. And he says, peace, be still. Jesus brought to the storm and to the situation what he was living on the whole time on the inside. Peace. He knew his assignment. He knew what he was going to do. He knew who his papa God was. He knew those things. And he was at peace. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? And their response, if they'd have had a moment, they'd have said, because it was scary. People get afraid when it's scary. There was a big, scary storm, Jesus. That's why we were afraid. Scary storms make people scared. That's why they call them scary. There was a big storm. That's why we were afraid. But he doesn't give them a chance to answer. He says, how is it that you have no faith? How is it? And where was their place that they didn't trust? Where's their lack of faith? Was it in the scary storm? They had full confidence in the power of that scary storm. Was it in God's ability to do something? Jesus' ability to do something? No, because they woke him up. They Activate. Come on. We need to crank the Jesus handle. You can get going and do some Jesus stuff. This is scary. No, their issue was exactly what they said. Do you care? Do you care? And how many times do we find ourselves in a place where what God has already said should be enough? The promise of what He's already provided should be enough to carry us to the other side. And we understand His presence is right there with us. And just because He's quiet in that moment, then we're resting on what He's already said. And we trust that He's going to get to the other side. And we know that He cares for us. He's aware of what's going on. And if He's quiet in that moment, He's quiet on purpose. That's that place of trusting God. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will, you will keep in perfect peace in him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Why did they lose their peace in the middle of the storm? Because they weren't trusting 
in Jesus. And we're trusting Him to care. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Their understanding says this storm is, is bad news. Jesus' peace didn't make sense. It don't make sense. Jesus is asleep on a cushion in the middle of this. But his peace went beyond understanding. And he expected and hoped his disciples would operate like him. That their peace would go beyond understanding as well. It will transcend all understanding. will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, God's correction even grows peace in us. See, that when our personal desires in conflict with the realm in which we live in, corrections sometimes need to be taking place. In Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Course correction, sometimes we grate against it. Our flesh doesn't like it. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. When our heart cry is what we sang today, I don't want to live outside your ways. I don't want to miss your heart for me. Then we allow him to do those course corrections and bring that place of peace. And my prayer for us all today is Paul's heart cry for the Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've made the case and we've laid it all out together. And I hope this sticks with you. Our bottom line today is that peace is this. It's knowing God can be trusted. That's it. It's knowing he cares. It's knowing he's with us. And it's knowing he can be trusted. And understanding that the journey between A and B may have some wind and some waves. But we can be at peace the whole time. It doesn't have to be, we don't have to have a life without chaos to be internally a person of peace. Our peace comes from knowing God can be trusted. So let's choose to allow God's nature to grow in our lives. In our selfdoms. I want to create a quiet moment here in this place. And maybe. Maybe you're here today. And you're like Brandon. I I want that. I want my selfdom to be in his kingdom. And I've been trying so hard. And I've been frustrated. And today I see it. I see it. That it's not about me trying to right all my wrongs. It's not about me trying to be perfect, but recognizing that only Jesus was. And that Jesus is perfection. Jesus is what he did on the cross, his blood that was poured out, his burial, his death, it was all for me. And now all of that is taken care of. And I believe today that I'm made right with God based on what Jesus did. Not based on what I plan to do. Not based on what I'm doing in this moment. But based on what Jesus has already done. And if that's you. I want you to acknowledge. That place of faith that's already made you right with God. By just simply raising your hand and saying. Brandon that's me. That's me. I want to be a part of that. Awesome. Awesome. 
Awesome. Yes. Believers, will you just lift your voices with these? There are brothers and sisters in Christ already because of their faith they have in Him. So let's just pray with them. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you love me. You love me when I didn't care about you. You love me when I was away. And it's your love that's drawn me near. I thank you for Jesus. I believe that he is enough. That what he's done has made me right with you. His death was my death. And now his life is my life. And I'm your child. And you're my father. And I thank you for today. That you're going to change me. From the inside out. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Woo. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we have the Hernandezes over here and the Lahones over there and somebody on T9 who's ready to pray with you if you need prayer at all. And um, just remind those that we've got school of ministry kicking off tonight. And so uh, if you just stand up, I want to pray, with, uh, pray over you as we all go out of here. It's 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock, school of ministry. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the peace that you've provided. Lord, that the, the, the whole environment of our lives has been forever changed. Simply because you chose to change it. Lord, in the middle of chaos and war and conflict, you entered and you resolved it forever. And Lord, we're thankful for that. Lord, today we're going to go forward in peace. Knowing that you can be trusted, Heavenly Father. Knowing that Jesus is enough. And we're going to allow that peace that even goes beyond our understanding to come and rule and reign in our hearts. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.